Hi everyone and welcome to this interview. I'm your host, Sonny Gigi, and it's my pleasure to introduce today's guest. Today we have a Ephraim, a barber located in Phoenix, Arizona. After a scary experience of a group of people trying to break into his car to harm him and his wife, being interrogated by the police, accused of a crime he didn't commit, and getting a severe case of valley fever, Hashem turns his life around after being helped by Rabbi Reuben and doing tshuva. We're very excited to have him here today with us to share his journey and experience. So without further ado, let's get into it. Today we have Ephraim. Ephraim, thank you very much for joining us here today and being part of the Pleasure to be on. opportunity. Hashem. Let's start off, uh, if you don't mind, telling us a little more about yourself and uh, you know your upbringing and what, what life was like before Chuba and those, those kind of details, if you don't mind. Yeah, so uh, parents come from Mother Russia. I'm a Maharian, raised in Arizona, in Phoenix. And in the early 90s, we got here. There wasn't much synagogues. There's not much anything going on here. And when you come from Mother Russia, you're pretty much a communist. So they weren't, you know, really practicing much. They were always very God-fearing. My parents are very God-fearing individuals, but not no Shabbat, no kosher, you know, public schools, all that jazz. Always knew holidays, knew Shabbat existed, knew all this good stuff, but not, we never fought. I want to say my first shul experience was uh, my Rebbe now. His name is Rabbi Pinchas Misanov. And he moved to the neighborhood when I was probably nine years old. And we started going to shul. It was a nice experience for us. We would, you know, he always needed 10. So he would always tell us. I would go with all the cousins and my dad's cousins. And then everybody would go and we'd have 10 men and we'd pray. And it was a good time. So we always did that. But nothing really came out of it. Just never really had any kind of, we never did silver. We never did. We kept silver as best as we thought we were doing. You know what I mean? We thought we kept it good. And we had a version of Hashem of what we thought. It was not what it really was, but just the normal stuff, you know, finished school and had a girlfriend. She was not Jewish. And then my sister started, my sister Olga started keeping Shabbat and her husband really got into it. Her name's Jonathan, God bless him. Really got into it. Right off the bat, took everything upon himself. And it was that people that took everything and then fell off. And he kept growing and growing and growing. I liked the guy. You know, I like hanging out with him. So I'd always go by his shop and we'd hang out and he was always talking about Always, always, always. And then started keeping, started not keeping Shabbat, but I'd go to Shabbat. You know, I would, I would. Go to their house for Shabbat all the time. And I would stay over. I was probably like 12, 13 years old. We're bringing it back to when I was like 12, 13. I would stay over there and do Shabbat at their house. And we'd walk over to Shul. I remember how we were walking one time. And he's a Cohen. And he goes, oh, I noticed my hole in my sock. I'll never forget this. And he goes, oh, well, what's going on? You're going to need shoes on. And he goes, no, you don't get it. I'm a Cohen. I got to take my shoes off. I'm going to see the hole in my sock. And it was like, the, it was like the funniest thing that just little things you remember, you know, and then you see how Throne Jew behaves with his wife and you see how the wife behaves with the husband. I saw that. And I saw how they, how they behave with the children. And that's something I liked. And, and I really was like, this is something I'd like. And then I was probably 16 years old, still doing the Shabbat at their house. I was taking Shabbat with them. Rabbi Mizrahi came to town. And he tried to call people up on stage. All right, who's going to keep Shabbat? I wasn't keeping Shabbat. I was involved in Shabbat. Did our house for Shabbat every few Shabbats, maybe once every, I don't know, once a month. Rabbi Mizrahi comes to town. All right, who's keeping Shabbat? He, had, he does those, uh, the key things and... Uh, yeah, my brother-in-law grabs my heart and he goes, "Let's go!" So he shoves me on stage and Rabbi Mizrahi's like, "You're going to keep Shabbat," and I said, "All right, I will." So I started keeping Shabbat. I couldn't keep Shabbat at home. I couldn't. Keep, I was 16. I couldn't keep Shabbat at home. So I kept Shabbat at my sister Olga's house. Every Shabbat I drove over there, like 20 minute drive, and keep Shabbat. And I tell you, it was like the best experience. This is the good parts of my life. Just good, like you know, beginnings. I'll never forget all the Shabbat I kept over there, and it was great. Then I'm like 18 years old now. I remember I was 18. I started working for my a cousin of mine. And I'd say at the time he was a very successful individual. So I wanted him to be successful. And I started hanging out with him and uh, he convinced me that you can't be successful. He convinced me that if you keep yourself, you won't be successful. You get told that enough and it becomes reality. Everything's hard to hold. You know, I mean, I stop making money. I stopped keeping the Sabbath. And my sister and my, my brother-in-law are very upset. 
And then it was just the normal stuff, you know, notes, notes, and notes that been uh, working and whatever, six, seven days a week of work. I was working out with bodybuilding. It always looked like this. I was really good shape. <laughs> and um, I met a girl at the gym. Thanks. There you go. So I can't go to the gym now. You know, it's not a good place to be. So uh, I don't know. I hang out. I work. <laughs> so I met this girl, amazing woman. I didn't have any girlfriends before. I didn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't into that kind of stuff. Just, just, I worked. I worked a lot. And I worked out. I worked and I worked out. I worked seven days a week and I worked out seven days a week. And that was my life. And I met this girl, whatever she's a girl. Her parents are, her dad's a pastor. They run a church. And, uh, and I didn't really think anything of it. You know, that's normal to me. To me, you know, I didn't think it was wrong. Or we started, we started uh, talking and working together. And she's an incredible, beautiful girl. I've never connected with somebody as good as I am with this one. And so it was like a, it clicked, you know? I'm going to fast forward about three years, maybe, dating this girl. She's, I've never had a girlfriend. So I mean, with girls but and a lot of girls were interested but never i never wanted to make them my girlfriends when this girl came along and i like so i made her my girlfriend you know so that happened and then there was like now my sister's really upset because i'm dating a girl that's not jewish really upset my brother-in-law's really upset they're just not and they're not the type to hold their feelings back they let it happen you know they let you they let it be known well long story short there was a trip that we took we went to the this is i'll, I'll never i don't I've, not, I've never said this story to anybody just it's uh it's really it's really between you know the people that were there with me and her. We go to the lake and we're at the lake. I get there. We're supposed to meet her family there. I set up tent and we're at the lake. We're leaving the lake. Bottles start flying. I'm not sure what's going on. I open the window. I look over. I look over towards her side and my window's open and I start getting hit from the side just as hard as they came. Like three, four guys just beating the smoke at him. I'm, I'm a big firearm guy. <laughs> I'm big into guns. I'm getting hit. I'm taking the hits. And now... I look over, I'm going in and out. So I go in and out of consciousness because they're knocking me out. Oh. At one point I came back to it. I looked over and they are opening, they're opening the door to pull my girlfriend out. The people, there's a lot of them, like tons of people everywhere. So when I saw the door open and they were going to pull her out, I noticed my door was open. So when I noticed that they were going to pull us out of the car to harm us in a certain way, I don't know what they were planning to do. I had a gun in my door. I pulled the gun out. My guns always, my guns were always loaded, still loaded. <laughs> I took the gun, I put it in the guy's chest and I pulled the trigger, Whoa. pulled the trigger and I remember his face. He had face tattoos. It was crazy. The gun did a click. Click. Nothing necessarily happened. And he looked at me and I, he thought he died. And I thought I killed him. That, that that stopped the situation. So I left. And we called the police. Police were going to get service. Now, again, self-defense, right? They were they were about to harm me. They are about to harm my wife or my girlfriend at the time. And um, so it was all self-defense. We left. We couldn't get in contact with the police. The police ended up giving us a call. So they said, okay. I said, no problem. I'll meet you. Wherever you need me to meet you. We meet, and I start driving back to the campsite. So to meet them close. And as I'm driving, we get pulled over by them. Three, four units. They get behind us. And they say, I'm just telling a loudspeaker. They say, drive, put your hands up in the air. So I come out. I'm walking backwards, hand in the air. They put a big gun to the back of my neck, throw me on the floor and they handcuff, put me in the car. Oh. And uh, then I'm watching and they're doing the same thing to my girlfriend. And I said, I looked at her and I said, uh, I love that one. Like, I've, I've never felt that way, you know? And I'm like, that's, that is a, that feeling, you know what I mean? And she had a gun to the back of her head. She's this innocent girl. She's five feet tall, weighs like 110 pounds. She's terrifying. And I said, and I said to Shem, I said, from today on, I'm going to keep Shabbat. I said, I know what I have to do. I know, I know what this is. I'm going to keep Shabbat. Today, yeah. it. We got interrogated for like 20 hours. They never left me out of my handcuffs. I used the restroom. The guy didn't let me wipe. He's like, you got to figure it out. Like, it was horrible. It was a horrible situation. We were at the lowest point oh. of our lives. And then uh, in the morning, they wanted me to sign a paper that I was guilty. I said, I'm not guilty. I'm not signing this. Okay, so I said, beat it. So they made us walk in the middle of nowhere. We walked for like hours. It was like four in the morning. We're walking, walking, and we found a rock to lay on. We laid on the rock. Fell asleep on the rock. Finally, a guard drove by. 
I got, a, I was like, I had five bucks to my pocket. That's all I had. I took my phone, my wallet, everything. But I had $5. I paid the guy the four services was. I gave him five bucks. I said, Hey, can I use the phone? Let us use the phone. I called my brother in law. Now my, not my another brother in law. And uh, they came and got us. Yeah, they came and got us. And then uh, again, now I'm in trouble because the situation was they thought that I started the argument and I did this, all this bad stuff, right? And that necessarily wasn't the issue. We were assaulted. So now we're going through like legal troubles. I had to hire an attorney. And blah, blah, blah. Well, let me ask you how did they, how did they find you? I mean, these, these group of people came up. I went to go get my mother in law. My mother in law came to the, to the, well, my girlfriend's mother at the time came to the campsite. And I went to go show them where to go. I never made it there. When they couldn't find us or situation, the police already blocked everything off. My wife's mother asked uh, where, you know, what, what's going on? And she goes, oh, there's a white truck. And they explained the truck. Oh, okay, yeah. She goes, yeah, that's my, that's my daughter and her boyfriend and this and that. And then she gave the number, my number, the police. And again, I was trying to get contact to them as well. Then that, that day we got home, whatever, long story short, I think this happened like on a Monday. That Saturday, I did not, I did not keep the first one. I don't think I kept that first one the right way. I did not. And that night, my or that, that right after Shabbat, my sister calls me. She goes, hey, there's a rabbi coming to town. I would like for you and your girlfriend to come and attend. All right. It's kind of weird. We'll come. She comes. We're sitting there. And Rabbi gets up on the stage and he starts talking. He explains this whole story from, uh, from Wall Street to Western Wall, all the troubles, everything he went through. And he started going into, well, Hashem's going to knock. You know, He's going to knock on the door and it's going to be small knocks. And then eventually it's going to be big knocks. So we'll get bigger. And bigger eventually those knocks will turn into uh sirens then if i'm sitting there i realize i said this is this is this is crazy i'm sitting there and i'm realizing this is this is incredible this is what this guy went through and everything i was in shock and i said today's the day that we're gonna make it right and now i said today's the day this is this is i have to take this upon myself i have to you know this is the life so everything changed for me that day realistically everything that day was it, the story was crazy everything he went through so it was terrifying all the suffering he did. Again, I was 18 years old. I, did, I had no suffering in my life, you know? But to think that somebody went through something like this and that this could happen to some, you know, to, for a message, to, to, just for a message, I'd rather not want, I'd rather not need messages like that. I'll, I'll do it myself. Don't give me the messages. No, don't send me any messages, please. I'll figure it out. So, and then, I guess my sister and my brother-in-law, I think they set it up where they're like, hey, come come talk to the rabbi. What do you mean talk to the rabbi? Like, come on. Don't be crazy. Oh, he's waiting for us in the corner. And... Sat down. I choose myself. Hi, Lefrim. This is this is my girlfriend, chair This is that. And he starts. He goes, you know, what are you guys doing? And this and that. He goes. He explained to her like you're gonna, you know, you're you're not only you're killing his soul, you're also killing yours. You're you're destroying two people here. But the, I mean, the most part, you're just if you love him, you you were gonna end this because you're destroying him. She's very spiritual. She was raised very spiritual. And uh, she, it, it, it really, I think it did something to her. Tells me, you know, she's not always going to look like this, how she looks. And he looks at her and tells her, he's not always going to look like how he looks. I definitely don't anymore. Because <laughs> listen, the looks go away, but the person you're going to be with stays. And I mean, it was it was incredible. It was very like, it was really deep. And we, we requested help. And we said, okay, we would like to, uh, we'd like to get more information about this. So she was very interested before all of this in conversion. She was very interested. She was always looking stuff up, researching, always wondering, you know, asking me, hey, like, I think this is something we should do. She was pushing me to it before, before you the rabbi, I don't do it before all this situation, pushing me and saying, this is definitely what you should do, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm good. Thank you. Like if you convert, that means I have to convert and I don't want to convert. I'm good. And of course she's very persistent. So she's like, this is what I want. I want this. And she starts crying and she said, this is, I've wanted this. I just didn't know how to start. Well, we started that day. He became our, uh, our rabbi because I didn't have a rabbi at this point. I was just kind of going on my own. And, um, now he, we got a group together, a, a group started working together it was it was a long we worked together for a while 
That was a lot of from you. She did a lot of learning. She elevated, I will tell you, much faster than I did. And she grew much faster than I did. She connected right off. I mean, probably because there was no Yitahara because she wasn't she didn't have the Yitahara. So she all the learning she retained, I could not retain anything. She starts uh, doing, I mean, crazy, like learning all day. She's learning all day, all day learning. And I'm not, and she is. And she was very, very like, I think if I was on the same level as she was, it would have been done then and there. It would have been right there, maybe six months of that. And we would have, we would have converted, but I wasn't there. And I think, again, the Yitzhahara really is there. And when you do, when you want to become a servant of Hashem, he's losing a servant. So he's going to do everything he can do to stop that, right? He's not trying to lose a servant, the Yitzhahara. So again, I, I, I was not having it. I, I tried, I really did. And, but I didn't elevate as much as she did. And because of me, I want to say, I kind of, the conversion felt, it, it didn't go so well. And Rabbi Edward wasn't happy with us because started asking right here like maybe it wasn't about getting it done like it wasn't about getting it done it was just i wasn't elevating as much as i could have elevated no hold on hold on a second let me ask you something i'm sorry to, to, to interrupt you are uh you're a natural born jew or not I am. you are so what so what, when you say convert you you're just for yourself you're talking about just doing chuba in, in genuine life i call that my conversion i convert from a secular a secular jew to affirmed you that was my conversion and that is actually that's a hard conversion as well you know that's that's it's it's very difficult and it takes a lot of it's a, it's a lot of work every day is a lot of work and if you're not constantly learning constant like i get i get done with a haircut i throw on either a lecture or like there's a series series now that i really follow i'm doing jewish intimacy you know that's really that really caught my attention before yeah. uh jewish shkafa you know i just try to follow like if i'm not doing anything i try not to idle I try to have something in my ear all the time. If I if if I can't have it in my ear, I'll sit down. I'll learn. We're doing you know everything. Something you always have to be connected. If there's no connection, you're falling. If there's no, if you're if you're idling, you're falling. And I mean just to sit down and stare in the space. It's idling. You're gonna fall. You know. So I try not to do that now. But then I didn't know this stuff. So again, it was more it was more down. There were ups. And I and Rabbi Yaron, he's a he's a real straight shooter, and he's terrifying. Like he's a very intimidating individual. And he's always been intimidating. And he would intimidate my wife and me. So. I think he felt like we weren't being serious, but we we're just terrified. If we really were serious, but we were just terrified. <laughs> and I don't know, he got really upset with us because I, I was asking around here, like, if there's anybody nearby that could help us, other rabbis around here, and, and he got word from it. I think he got upset. So we ended up, he ended up not working with us anymore. And one of the rabbis here decided uh, he was going to help us. He said that uh, there's a Beijing in New York and this and that. We're not going to go any names, any, you know what I mean, no mentions, but long story short, yeah. uh, we converted through him. Well, through the, through the baby in New York, got married, got a baby. It's good. Everything's fine. Then I started getting sick. I have uh, asthma. One day I was sitting there again. I was a body. I was still bodybuilding. It's huge, Just bulletproof. Sitting. You're not gonna. You're not gonna believe this. I'm sitting there. I don't know what. My, what my wife asked me and I said, "Oh, I'm built like a train. Like nothing can stop. I'm a train." And I felt like that. I could lift anything. You know, there was always. I felt unstoppable. And Hashem showed me otherwise. That night, I went down with the highest fever I've ever had in my life. And I had that fever for two weeks. And I was in a hospital, 22 oh. years old, 21 years old, 22 years old in the hospital, two weeks with a fever. I mean, we're not talking average fever. We're talking, I had what they call, we get it in the desert because from the sand, but I got really sick, really sick. They, they they blew out all my veins in the hospitals because they were putting so much fluids into me. All my veins felt like rubber. Like It was just horrible. I felt like I was going to die. And I really, you, know, you get to a point where you're dying, where you feel like you're dying. You start questioning things. You start growing. People say, well, Fryan, how did you, what did you do that you grew, you grew like this? Or how did you get to where you are today? I feel like I just started, like, just, 
I'm, a, I'm about you, but like, I feel like it was yesterday, you know? I still feel like that. And, um, but I tell them, it's things that happen in your life. Your life will guide you in the right, you know, if Hashem, Hashem loves us or his children. And I think if he sees there's potential, see there's potential in a person, there he will make it that you were, are going to be his servant. And that day, uh, I was really sick. I felt horrible. I'm laying in the hospital. They put, I, they put me in ice. For hours, I was in ice. and just, just horrible. My dad, my dad never went to hospitals. So he came to visit. And they really, you know, I just see him at the hospital. Like, I'm a 22-year-old guy. And my 57-year-old dad came to visit me in the hospital. You know what I mean? That's crazy. So I get out of the hospital. Oh, again, I was already keeping Shabbat, kosher. The convert, we, we, everything was perfect. Like, everything, we're, we're, we're legit converts. We're a legit ball shuva. Again, beginning stages. I'm still going to the gym. I'm still, we're still eating out, but not meat. I mean, I mean kosher. I'll go to like a restaurant and I'll eat fish. You know, the, the beginning stages of kosher, like they call yeah. it, what they think is okay. But it's great. The thing's fine. There's really no issues. I had, the one, I had one kid. There was no issues. We didn't have any doubts. Everything was, you know, good. Then I got sick again, the same way. And again, horrible. Like, like, I'm dying. Valley fever, that's the name. That's what I had. Valley fever, we call it. And you get these nodules in your lungs where you can't breathe. It feels like almost, almost feels like COVID, like really severe COVID. I think that's how I actually did get COVID. I was one of the first patients, probably. I was probably what they call patient zero. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was worse than the first time, I'll tell you. Horrible. They did, they, they wanted to tap my spine to check what was going on. It was a horrible, horrible situation. Now, this is the second time. I got out of the hospital that time and again you don't know you, you, you're improving in things right you're taking little things upon yourself you're you're starting to learn a little more and i was i would say i was already pretty frugal at the time and then my, i was it was it was december 18th 2019 two months after i got out of the hospital from having the covid i was probably first patient late 2019 my dad I, I just opened my first business and my dad came to work with me over there me and my dad are very close very close and, uh, very very tight like a best friend almost he was my best friend. and uh, my dad it was December eighteenth. I got home. We went to uh, we went to go look at some lights. Mom FaceTimes me, excited to show her like the cool lights that we were looking at. My mom is just hysterical. She says your dad died, and I said, "What do you mean? Like, what do you mean my dad died?" And I said, "That's not possible, mom. Like, I just saw him 10, 15, 20 minutes ago. I just said bye to him." So the ambulance took him. My mom said, the "Ambulance took him." My dad had a cardiac arrest. Forty five minutes of nothing, no heartbeat, no pulse, nothing, just. Cold. It was a 40 minute drive from where we were to the hospital. I think I did the drive in like 12 minutes, as fast as the car could go. I don't think I even put the car in a park. I jump out, I go inside. I just opened again. It was really hard times for me. I just opened the business. Like I just had the baby. It's financially, it's really hard. You know? I had I had I had saved up some cash so I could pay the bills that week, and uh, I had cash in my pocket. So I, I ran inside, and there and there at this point they're doing CPR for like 40 minutes. That's normally, they don't do that because anything after like 20, 30, I don't know what the time limit is, whatever. It's people, but it's normally if the guy does come back, he's a straight vegetable. Get in the room, they're pumping my dad and he's cold, blue, swollen. It's just 10 people working on it, pumping him. I, I got on the floor. I said, whatever needs to be done, I will do. I said, you could take everything I've worked for, everything I've ever, whatever I think I achieved, whatever it is, whatever it is. I'll go live back at my mom's house with my wife and the kid, the baby. Just, just bring him back. And I said, I, I want to be a, I'll be your key, I'll be your key of support. Yeah, we're, I'm still, we're, I wasn't, I wasn't in contact with Yaron, but I would watch his videos. I want to talk to him, but I always watch his videos, always. And I sent myself to him, whatever my mom said was, I sent to him. So I remember that that night, I said, that day, I, whatever I had in my pocket, I said this, whatever I saved up for bills is yours. Whatever I have in my accounts is also yours. I, I, I took half of what I had in the account and I sent it to Rabbi Yaron. 
And I on Venmo and I said, please pray for my father. They're pumping his heart. I sent the other half to Rabbi Mizrahi. And I said the same thing. Actually, I actually have a timestamp. I was looking at it today. It was 8.09 p.m. December 18th. And I got on the floor, had whatever I had in my pocket. I said, that's yours too. At this point, I'm down to zero. I gave everything away. And I said, I have nothing now, but please give me back my father. And then everybody stops. Just everybody hops off of my dad. And I thought, okay, so this is the time. This is it. He's passed. I don't know what to do. I'm, I, this is the worst I've ever felt in my life. You're at the lowest point. Right? My father was everything to me. You know? We worked together. We hang out. And they all hopped off, and he got a pulse. His heart started beating, and I knew what that was. You know, I knew the prayers I made, and I knew that was it. I knew, I knew, I knew what it was. But the the, the, the doc, I got, I got excited, and the doctor came up to me, and the little Indian guy, and he said, "Listen, don't get too excited, because your dad was gone for about forty five minutes. Most like ninety nine percent of the chance, he's a vegetable. Ninety nine percent, almost guaranteed. If he's not a, if, if 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 he makes it overnight, he's a vegetable." And I said to him, "That's if he makes it." And at this point. When he told me that, I was with the rabbi, Rabbi Pinchas, my rabbi. Now, I was with him, and, and he remembers that the doctor saying that. I told the doctor, I said, no. He said, if he was supposed to go, he would have went already. He's coming back. And the guy laughs at me. He goes, are you crazy? Do you understand what your father went through? He goes, I guarantee you, his his, his brain is gone. His liver is gone. His kidney, everything is gone. And I said, okay, well, I have faith. You can go do your job. He left. I left. And I didn't leave the hospital for, I don't know. I can't remember how long I didn't leave the hospital. But I went on. I, I, I don't know what I, I, I looked up like a Rosh prayers or whatever or, or, or Tehillim and I read Tehillim all night from 9 o'clock at night to 9 in the morning I read Tehillim I didn't stop that that morning was the morning the day where they were going to see if he was going to make it or not he's on life support tube in his mouth he's not supposed to make it they staple the next day stable then they do a my sister came from Israel oh but they moved to Israel so he came back for the what happened to her husband then now, this is happening first night, second night of Hanukkah. We light Hanukkah. This is the first time I ever did Hanukkah the correct way. And she's saying, today we ask for miracles. Like, the day we could ask for this, for Hashem to bring the light. Today's the day. And I know. So I'm, I'm praying my heart out. And we're, praying, we're all praying our hearts out. Just praying our hearts out. She said, one of the days she gets up and she says, on the eighth day of Hanukkah, they're going to remove Papa's life support. And Papa's going to talk. Anybody normal will look at her and be like, are you crazy? Like, Papa is literally a vegetable, right? She's, 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 uh, she's a lot of faith. And, and that's the time I started the Kiruv. <laughs> I said I would. So I started a couple morning, the morning when they took him to take to do MRIs on his head. I took my tefillin bag and I started driving around the town. I put tefillin on everybody for the Fashlama, my father. Oh, I put tefillin nice. on like 20 people. Oh, like, I went to different barbershops to fill in. I said, please, this is what my father, everybody knows my father. So I put tefillin on a bunch of people. And that day we got the news that he had seven strokes alongside of his cardiac arrest. So definitely. Seven? Seven strokes. Interesting number. Well, we don't stop. We don't, we don't lose any hope. This whole time, we never lost hope. My brother-in-law told me, he said, you got to check yourself. Something's going on. You have to check yourself. Check everything. Your Shabbat, your Kashru, check everything. Conversion, everything, check everything. Start checking. You take a lot on yourself this time, you know? A time like this, you take a lot on yourself. A lot. Now, the seventh day of Hanukkah, I remember the seventh day of Hanukkah. That night was one of the one of the last nights where I prayed together because my sister had to leave back to Israel. My dad's still on life support. Prayed. And then we, we go to the, to the to the hospital. Now my sister, now then the night goes by, the morning coming, my sister, she's sleep to Israel, back to Israel. And as she's walking out, they come into the room, she already walked out, and they said, no, two days before this, my father woke up. Two days oh. before he woke up, but he's on life support, so he had a tube in his mouth still, but he woke up. Mm-hmm. But he was kind of like, very distorted. And on the eighth day of Hanukkah, they pulled the tube out, the life support tube, and my dad's laying there, and he's laying there, and my sister, she was already like halfway to the airport. I called him, I gotta come back. They took the tube out. She comes back to give him a hug, and she left. 
Uh, a couple hours later, my dad starts eating pudding. He starts talking. He's talking full-blown talking. Normal, normal, nothing happened. At first, he was saying a lot of funny stuff. It wasn't a lot of medicine, but then he started saying what he saw. He was gone. He saw his family. His family kept kicking him out. He was there for a, long, a while, waiting. It was a lot. It was like a lot of lot of things he went into. Can you explain a little bit more about what he saw? I'm sure a lot of people are interested in that. A little few, if you want. If not, it's still fun. Yeah. The, I, the rabbi, I don't to say, please explain. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, what he saw was he, he was in a long line for a long time. He was in a long line and he waited and waited and waited. Then as, as the line got shorter, there was a lot of people. As the line got shorter, his family was behind like something that he explained was behind like a wall. And they said, you're not welcome. He's, he says, why? You know, what's going on? You're not welcome here. You're not welcome here. So just a lot of, saw his mom, she passed. His sisters, two sisters recently passed before that. So saw them, his father, a lot, all of his family members. He says, why? I'm finally here. I see you guys. I'm here. He said it was very peaceful, very peaceful experience. I think because he wasn't going to stay, right? I don't think he was there to stay. I think this is more of for something to tell us. He said that the, the part, the going part was peaceful, but then the waiting part, it was very you know, nerve wracking. Yeah. And then he remembers just opening his eyes. It wasn't nothing, nothing crazy. Like a lot of people have like near death experiences that I like to look at. And it wasn't, yeah, just a lot of waiting, <laughs> probably waiting for him to wake him up. But yeah, probably no, nothing. So he, he came back two weeks later, he's home a week after that. He's driving, he's cutting air from the house and everything is great. Papa's back. This time COVID comes in. And this was a great, great time for me. 2020 was an amazing best year of my life. And Papa comes home. We're hanging out. So it was, I didn't work. The shops were closed. So, I was there all the time. You know, we were hanging out all the time, every day. And 2020, you know, everybody's hanging out. <laughs> Nobody was doing anything crazy. No shul, no, nothing was closed. At this point, I did not go to shul. The guy who convert the rabbi that did the conversion, he, his shul never had a minion. And so that's the shul that I would go to. And he, there was no shul. I never went to shul, but kept Shabbat. Kashrut got much better. Everything was, everything has, everything was taking, everything was taking place. Like everything was, was that year 2020 was a, was a huge quote year spiritually we had another baby number two i named him after my father another boy i gave my father the second uh Sunday. yeah there you go second send up to my father he was excited i named him after him named solomon oh, my father was so excited so excited about him and then uh five months after solomon was born my father started not feeling very well he goes to the hospital every day we're talking pop fine he says i'm not feeling very well my chest hurts he has one of the another community member that I passed, and I, I was at a funeral. I was buried. We were buried one of the community members, and I got a call from my sister at the funeral, and says, "Hey, Papa had another cardiac arrest. Got rushed into open heart surgery. So, home. Try to do what you did the first time. Came back the first time, so I think you could. <laughs> you could do it again, but it's not Hashem's will. So, three days later, Papa passed. Hashem forced me to go to shul. Started going to shul twice a day in Kaddish. I started going to Rabbi Ben the original rabbi who I'd go to when I was little. So every day, and I really bonded with the people there. I made friends, started growing, learning. They're saying, he says, if you don't go to shul, we're obligated to go. But if you don't go, I'm going to make you go. I heard that, and I said, I will not give Hashem a reason to make me go again. I'm going to keep coming. I'm not going to give him a reason. Now, this was 2021. Shul, every month, every week, throughout this whole story, that this whole, I don't know, 52 minutes that we've been online, has been growth, right? Ups, those downs, right? But there's more ups, and always it's a step higher. You can, you can climb two steps, you know, you fall two, but then you climb three again. There's always growth. It's very small, but there's growth. Now, I got into the shul. There's lectures. There's people. There's slash the sheets. There's, we started getting invited to people's homes. Got welcome to the community. So what ended up happening was 
person who converted us, the rabbi, is probably two miles away. This was more of the fruit. You know, if you're black and white, you go to the shul. You want to keep Torah, you want to keep Mitzvot, you go to the shul that I go to now. You, know, you want to be, you know, you have it at your mind. You want to make it to a good place, you go to the shul. Rabbi is amazing. Everybody's real. You know, everybody is there for, for a reason. You know, there's no kind of beefs in shul. It's just a good place to be. The guys at the shul started telling me, hey, converted, this and that. So I said, well, we worked with Yaron, but we got converted by somebody else. And at this point, I kind of figured like something wasn't right. Wasn't right. Because everybody kept saying that this guy's no good. This guy's no good. Well, what am I going to do? Call, call your rabbi Yaron again and say, hey, uh, can you check? You know, it just wasn't, I feel like we were past that point in our lives. You know, we were showing Shabbat yeah. for so long already. Like we had two kids. She's an Eshetayo. Like we keep Shabbat just to challah and all the good stuff. Like we're, we're Jews. We do a lot from us. I said, no, this is, this, this is crazy. Well, Hashem gave us another miracle. I look at this whole situation. Now I see it. Hashem took my, my papa to open a door for me that wasn't closed. It was not going to be able to be opened. He put me inside of a shul, started growing. These people started seeing like, wow, this guy is, you know, these these people are, they are legit. And we were. And then this whole shebang happens with the missionaries in Arizona. How do I find out uh, the missionaries? We're at Disneyland. <laughs> my wife and my kids were at Disneyland and I get a call from Rabbi Yaron. Hi, Prime, and I'm like, oh, I'm terrified. Like, if, if he's calling me something serious, like, there's no reason. You know what I mean? If he's calling me something serious, he's happening. So I pick up the phone. My wife sees the caller ID, and she goes white. She's terrified. She goes white. And now he goes to me, this, 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 this. There's missionaries in town, and the guy who's hosting them is Russia. <laughs> I said, yeah, I didn't tell him this because I was terrified. But that's the guy that converted us. There's the guy that's hosting his missionaries. Well, I'm terrified at this point. Like, what do you do? And he goes, they find everybody he converted is no good. You need oh. to find the people he converted. And we need to fix it. I'm going to sit here and tell them that's who converted us. Like, I was terrified. I didn't have it in me. So on top of that, I didn't think there was any help. There was no open door. It's not an open door policy. You don't want to convert and convert. It's going to be another three, four years before anything happens. So, my wife is pregnant at this point. She's pregnant at Disneyland. And I don't know how to break it to her. Like, hey, Rabbi Yaron said, conversion was no good. And it was just a miserable trip. Just miserable. Horrible. Like, the emotions, the crying, the... Oh, you know what I mean? It was just horrible. Was so bad, like you, you, you took a person came out of something. Then there was this in between stage of nothing, and that nothing stage is horrible because you're not on this side, you're not on that side, you're in the middle with nothing. And then she got converted, and she felt like the nothingness ended, and she was part of something. You know, she was a child, right? She got a hole in the shama. Two years into the, a year and a half, two years after this whole shebang, three years after now, she's saying that she's again a nothing. Like, how? This is it's crazy. All of this, I, I look at like all of this happened. And that's really, it's, it's sometimes, you know, it, it could be arrogant of me to say, but so much had to happen in my mind. I think of, I think Hashem, I feel like everything happened for this, for my wife to, you know what I mean? To feel closure, to do it right, to like for my kids, I got to understand if, I, if my wife isn't, then my kids aren't. So I, when we got back the next day, I called Rabbi Yaron. I was like, I have an issue. What is it? I said, that's the guy that converted my wife. And he goes, I kind of figured, but I'm going to help you. He agreed to help us. She reached out to the Beit Din in New York. They said, we're not going to do it because he was a, so these people were associated with the Rasha. Now, 
they're they're saying no, it's not going to happen, not going to happen, not going to happen. And Yaro, Rabbi Aaron is fighting for us, just fighting. He did everything he could, I think, to make it happen, and he didn't have to. He didn't have to do anything. He could have just said, "Look, you messed up," and you know, "Good night." It was late nights. It was early mornings. It was. He could have just been disregarded us, but he did it. Fought for us. He did everything he could. He did not stop until the Beidin in New York agreed, and they said, "We'll make this one exception, but we need people to vouch." So then I had my rabbi, Rabbi Bin, he vouched. He says, "Look, these guys, they're legit. They're 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 part of our shul. Or they're legit people." Oh, and he wrote a letter to the Beidin. It was it was crazy. It was like everything happened. So. It was perfect in a sense. The door was open. Flew to New York, met the Beidin. And these guys are intimidating guys. We're, we're, we're not talking about, no. That's, you know what I mean? These guys are uh, Rabbi Liao Ben Rabbi Dalon. These guys are legit guys. He starts questioning my wife. So, you know, this is Rabbi, Rabbi Liao Ben You know him, you don't know him. He's an incredible, an incredible, incredible man. And he goes to her, Do you want this? And she says, Yes. He kept asking her, he goes, are you sure? And she goes, you know, if you don't keep Shabbat, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> and everything was hell. Everything was hell, hell, hell. There was like 300 hells. You don't do this, it's hell. You don't do that, it's hell. Because I know this is what we've been doing. Like, this is the life we live. This is this is what we know. This is everything we know. We've been doing this. Everything went great. She goes she goes to go be ready for the Nicolin. That's a funny story. I wanna, it, was a, it was an interesting story I'm going to put it that happened at the Beidin that day. My, my Brit was done by a, a doctor like a Russian doctor that my parents found when they came to America. There was really nobody to do Brits at the time, but Moel's in town. So uh, what we call an uh, ear doctor did my Brit. And my sister, she was always like, listen, an ear doctor did your Brit. I don't think it's kosher. I don't think it's kosher. And I stuck with that. Right? So I told I told the Beidin, and I was like, uh, quick question, guys. I know this is super out of context, but can I get it at the Patadam? <laughs> and they looked at me like, wait, you want this now too? And I was like, listen, I have to do it. So they had to fight me right there. And I just felt like, you know oh. what I mean? It all came together. Like, you got to fight down in front of three grown men. It's really embarrassing, you know? Especially like people that are near, these guys are the BD. Whip it out in front of the BD. It's, it's just not, it's very, you got to do it. So then I had this like crazy experience where they had me dip my boys in the mix for their conversion. And that's like an incredible, you know, you take your son and you're in a mix and you, and you, and you dip them. It's like an incredible, it's just not, you can't describe the, the, the feeling of what's happening here, you know? It was undescribable. I was also in the nickel with them. It's, un- it's an undescribable feeling. It's, it's, it's incredible. So from then on, it was, I had peace, you know, I had peace that it was finally, there was no doubts about anything. There was no doubts. Now everything is perfect. That's what I felt. It was, and after, and, and from, I mean, from then on, just a lot of elevate, just because there's no, no doubts, no one. A lot of elevating from then on. A Colo opened up in Arizona, so we do Colo, like Gamara learning. Just a lot of elevating. You know, I, the first time I went to go learn Gamara was like a few months before this, and I didn't even know what a Gamara was. But sure, now we learn Gamara every morning. You, uh, oh. Can you have a second, secta, and all the good. Now it's, just now, now it's different. Now it's different. It was a journey. This is not something that happens overnight. You know, this is not, and not everybody's journey will be like ours. You know, I feel like my father had to pass. I feel like so much happened, so many emotions. So many emotions. When my wife found out that this whole thing was happening with that guy, she was pregnant. She had a miscarriage with that baby. Probably from all the stress. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but we had a miscarriage. Oh, that was a lot, a lot that we went through in that time with my father passing. It's a journey, but I think it's, this is where exactly where you need to be. When you, when you take things upon yourself, you feel Hashem's presence. Feel 
you feel him. You, you know what I mean? You feel him around you. You feel like there's so much that can go wrong in life. Yeah. You can avoid these issues. Everybody's gonna have issues, but they're gonna be simple issues, not big ones like I've had. You know, people wonder. I always ask them, well, how did you do it? How did this? How did that? Well, it's what you go through. Everything is what you go through. I, I, I could say I could not. So four, five times, I want to say I had the hospital trips. Four times. Four or five times. I was in a hospital for the lung issues. And my wife, about six months ago, brought up to me. She goes, hey, maybe a year ago, she said, hey, do you notice you haven't been to the, you haven't been sick? Like I was sick then. And it hit me a year ago. I was like, wait, I'm sure she dipped in the mix. I've never been sick for them. Like hospital, it's sick. We're not hospital sick, not pneumonia, not all kinds of issues. People will get signs you know everybody gets a sign it's if you if you, it's up to the person if they're going to listen with the little ones and I, and, I, and I would like to tell people not to make Hashem put you in a shul find your nearest shul attend don't give them a reason to put you there's no reason for you to have to go through something miserable like I had to go through whereby I don't have to go through just in general there's no reason but it could happen this is something that it's definitely if Hashem needs to wake you up he'll wake you up another quick story before you gotta go uh Last year was Passover. Passover finished. My wife went to go bake challah with the uh, with the shul, and uh, she's baking challah. And I came to it to uh, eat kosher. We came to to the kosher spot. We only have two in like three town. So I came to the nearest one. It's in Scottsdale. Came over here to eat some some kosher Chinese food. I had my two kids with me. She was pregnant. I wanted to open another location, a barbershop. But the location is the hardest thing to find. Right? You have to find the right location. Running prosperous and anything is location. This part of town, Scottsdale, is the most expensive part of town you could be in. So it's not something that it's affordable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And normally, I was 27 years old. You know, when I when I wanted to open the second one. Long story short, we're driving. I look over and I see Ferlis. Pull over. I took the number down and I called that morning. I've been trying to open locations for the last I don't know six months. Nothing worked out. Even before my dad passed, a year and a half before that, I tried and never worked out. This one was just a gift. It was like perfect. The price was a gift. Everything was a gift. It was like it was put on a platter and given to me. The first location took me four months to open. This one was open and ready in six weeks. Everything was a gift. I can't process. I didn't process why, but I knew it was a gift. And the first location to have God is good, really big on the written on the wall. And I did the same thing here. And then it hit me. I'm in an Eruv here. I'm in a Jewish community here. First couple of weeks, I'm getting a lot of Jewish people come in. Not that I could tell they're Jewish. They look like Goyim. But I see a yarmulke on my head. They see the God is good, and they start asking questions. You live here. Like these people are lost. So I started start shooting the videos of uh, Wall Street to Western Wall. Not not, not very any good turnaround. You know, these people don't want to know. I have a I'm on number six right now. I'm working on number six of people that I got through. That I got through. Last one that I have, and I, I told you, Rabbi, I don't this this story. It was amazing. This is crazy. Uh, the guy came in. He had really long hair, and he looked really rough. Just a rough looking individual. He said, "What's going on?" Like what? What's what's your issue? You know, you look like you look like you're you're down on yourself. Snack. My wife left me. Blah 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 blah. So a lot of stuff went wrong with his life. It's like, would you pray? Not at this point, I don't know this person. So, but do you pray? Because you know, I've been an atheist my whole life, but I've been I've been looking for I've been looking for a religion. He told me. I've been looking for a religion. Goes. I went to the Buddhas. He doesn't identify any answers at the Buddha place. Then he went to uh, he went to pray with a different. Muslims, everywhere. He mentioned all the guys. Okay. He finally said he found JC. He's like, I found JC. This is something I'm very connected to. I've been going to church. And I said, let me ask you a question. What religion were you born? This is my way in, right? Maybe he's a Yid. He tells me, I was born Jewish. I said, what do you mean by born Jewish? Ha. Who was Jewish? My mom. How do you know? Well, because her mom was Jewish. 
that you know because her mom was in the holocaust i said you know what i blocked off my schedule i blocked my schedule off and i said okay let's go <laughs> and i started going at him i said listen you're you're special you have a special mission a soul you're chosen you're not like these people you don't need to worship through somebody you have a direct line to hashem and i started giving him the jazz i had him in my chair for about an hour and i sent him the video from wall street to western wall Opportunity. The bottom line is, is that uh, these two companies have a huge opportunity. There are only two companies in an entire sector. My story doesn't start with religion. My story doesn't start with the truth. My story starts with Alma de Shikha, the world of lies. God gave, God took, may his name be blessed. He leaves, I forget about it. Last week, a guy comes in. He goes, hey, three months ago, I was in. It's really long hair, by the way, still. Three months ago, I was in, and he looks much better. He goes, you sent me a video. And I said, why? I forgot the guy. I said, why did I send you a video? He goes, well, because I'm Jewish. I said, oh, okay, so I blocked off my schedule again. And I said, so what'd you get out of it? He goes, well, I stopped going to church. I'm looking for a shul, if you could recommend one. He goes, I've been listening to you, Rabbi Aaron Rubin now. Mm. He looked much better. So I haven't seen him since then. This is maybe a week ago. But this guy, he's, I think we're onto something here. I feel like, like there was a little story of Hashem. If, if something is right for you, he'll give it to you very easy. Something you need to be. But it needs to be beneficial. He's going to, give, he's going to bless you financially. It's Do something right with it. Hebrew is very important to support. You know, if you can bring your brothers and sisters back, this is something you should be able to This is something you should do. I like to focus on that. Hopefully I have more stories for you guys. <laughs> Today's story was uh, a guy named Christian. His name's Christian. Very wealthy also. They like the last guy. And I said, uh, started talking about businesses. Said, you're really smart. Sure you're not Jewish? And he goes, ah, oh, my mom's Jewish. I said, whoa, I said, what's the, your name's Christian. I said, yeah, my mom on her deathbed. She told me uh, I have a confession. We're Jewish, son. She was in a church all life, raised him in a church. We're Jewish, son. And then he started doing research. And his whole family lineage is Jewish, but he is too deep in the He's far, very far. Actually, today we had about an hour and a half, this very heated discussion about everything. How, how he's, he's so far, he's like a pastor. You know what I mean? So I have a little camera here that I uh, I sent the footage to Rabbi Adorn. He goes, you shouldn't have a discussion with him. So I didn't know. I said, I thought we're not supposed to discuss these kind of matters with the Goib. I didn't realize that if it's our own brethren, but he's so far gone, we shouldn't discuss. You know, I try. I try to feel like we all have a purpose here, and it's not to just let every day go by. And, and every day is not every day is not the same. You know, like the Goib live, they say, oh, another day. You know, yeah. same same S word and the same uh, whatever. You know, they, they say same whatever. Same day, everything's the same. They have no there were no reason to wake up. They're miserable. That's not us. We have a reason. Every day we wake up to say thank you. Thank you, Akadash Baruch for this day, for today. I could do great. You gave me a resource of my legs, my hands. I could move. We could do great today. Every day is a beautiful day because every day you could do great. Oh. And that's not how they're going to live. They don't, they don't, they're miserable. Oh. And, even, and, if, and if we have Jewish people that are miserable because they feel like that, you know, they feel like, oh, well, today is just another day or whatever. It's not like that. Take something upon yourself. Grow, you know what I mean? At least the basics are with Shabbat, Kashrut, and it slowly will show its way. That's the story. And I'm very, very grateful to Rabbi Aaron Rubin. Very grateful to him. He's, he's an incredible person. Hashem should bless him and give him strength and everything that he does in the organization. I hope, uh, hope it only keeps growing from here. We'll have a lot more about Baal Shuba stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Listen, um, I'll tell you something. There's, uh, we, we had quite a few uh, podcasts that we, that we recorded. Um, 
and and usually you know at some point or another i have uh you know a few things that i like to comment on or i like to say or i like to you know kind of stop people and uh kind of uh you know go back and and you know get get, get things uh you know back in line but um i gotta tell you this one was very uh you had me you had me caught you had me focused in and i uh you know at some points i wanted to ask you a few questions but the story was so interesting and so captivating i didn't even want to you know stop i just wanted to keep on listening it's a very very interesting very interesting um i do want to i do want to go through a few um a few questions if, if you don't mind you obviously went through a lot you went through quite quite a bit of experiences what are some of the goals that you're pursuing now and uh maybe uh in, in the future from now you know i don't i don't tell much people what i would like to become at this point in my life i'd like to learn how to read people I, I'm, re- I'm really working on it i am I try to learn every day but it's very complicated. So my first step is my Leola. base. My first step is my olive base. Just I would like to honestly, if I can get to ten five percent of what Rabbi Aaron is, I would be very complete. I just I would like to I would like to be learned. I would like to be where somebody can ask me questions. I think the main one questions about Judaism. People that are lost, they always come in here and ask them. So I think it's my duty to know these questions and not say I can't tell you I'm sorry because if I can't tell I look you know they look at me and they think that I'm supposed to know. And if I can't answer the question, what, it could discourage them. Yeah. And I feel like it's my obligation to know as much as I can know to guide them. I think my end goal, I would like to become a rabbi. You know, but it's a little different in the Sephardic community to become a rabbi. Uh, I go to Kola and everybody's a rabbi. You got rabbi this, rabbi that, everybody's a rabbi. With us, we only got one rabbi in shul. But I feel like we could use a younger, you know what I mean? Like a younger, like a youth leader. I would like to be like a, like a younger youth leader rabbi, you know, explain yeah. to them, maybe show these guys not only. That yes, you you, this is this is your way, you know. I'm I'm still I'm still a young guy as well. I feel, you know, I'm also in my my twenties that I could, if I could guide these kids and explain to them like I was where you are like I don't know five years ago, it's very close, and I could guide them and help them. And when they look at me like I'm a successful guy, maybe they'll uh, catch on. You know, maybe they're gonna ask and wonder, well, how and what? Again, all my resources, whatever whatever I've been blessed with or not, most of it I give away. That's it's just kind of how how I, how I do it. I like to give, <laughs> and I think it's a it's a it's a big blessing to be able to give to the right places. Right, we've been gifted with uh, an organization like Bezat Hashem. So we have different. We have you can go on the website and you can give to anything. You can give to the poor people. You can give to Kiru. You can give to Kunabri. You can support Gain on the movie. Like there's so many avenues that you can give. So that's the Kiru side is important to me. Also, growing my community. My community is new. We just got our shul last year. Just, we just bought the shul. It's new. We're trying, you know, if I could start some kind of youth thing there, uh, working on fundraising for them, build a mikveh. We can, uh, just there's so much to do. And there's also so much to learn. But uh, I think my first step of business is my olive base. I'll take it one bite at a time. Sure. I mean, don't don't ever get discouraged. You know, you have Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva only started at 40 years old. So you still have... Uh... Every day I think about that one. Every single day. I said, Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva achieved such greatness for Moshe Rabbeinu. To hear about Rabbi Akiva from Hashem, and to say there will be a guy like Rabbi Akiva, he, to, for that, I think the whole Rabbi Akiva story happened for us, for the Balchuvas to to know that it's possible at forty years old to learn your your olive base. It's possible and to become great and to become the one who's yeah. in our in our kumaras and to have twenty four thousand students. It's possible. We shouldn't be discouraged because we weren't born into it or we didn't go to yeshiva. Right. Yeah. I think everything's possible, but right. uh, that's yeah, that's that's something I would I would definitely like. I'd like to be learned. Let me ask you another question. What do you think you would be at if you didn't meet Rabbi Rubin? I don't know. I don't think about that. I'm just uh, living. If I now that I think about it, I'd probably be living a secular life. 
I would live in Istanbul. I'd probably be I'd probably be a multimillionaire for sure because you don't have honesty. You know, there's no honesty in business, and I've had to. I've given up huge deals. I've missed out on. I like I said, I missed out, but somebody else would say I missed out on tons and tons because of the honesty in business, right? So I would definitely have been somebody very wealthy. But again, I'm very happy where I'm at. This is. I would not want to be anywhere else. What advice would you give other people that are also, um, you know, doing chuba and that have similar hardships, not similar hardships? Any type of advice you would or guidance you would give to other people? Depending on where you're coming from, right? You come in and you think it's impossible. There's too much to learn. There's too much to grasp. There's you have to put yourself into the. You must surround yourself with the people. Have to. You must put yourself into a shul, to a good shul with the mind. You have to find yourself a rabbi. Your father brings you into this world and your rabbi brings you into the next. Have to find yourself a rabbi. Find yourself friends who are who are in the call all day. Have to. Because I, I have a friend I made. His name is uh, Mashiach. God bless his soul. He's an incredible guy. Straight shooter. Just straight as you can be. And he'll tell you. You know, uh, there is a There's a saying. It says, buy yourself a, ra- a, a friend and a, find yourself a rabbi. Why buy yourself a friend and acquire yourself a rabbi? For the rabbi, you shouldn't buy because he, he needs to set you right. And if it's motivated by money, I believe that it's not going to be that direction. He's going to see past everything for the financial benefit. Now, the friend we buy, or pay my friend, to look at it like this, I've, I've, I've made this friend who, you know, tells you all you're wrong. I'm late to school. Ah, what happened? Why are we late? You don't do that. We don't do that here. You know, just just constant, constant, like, come on, let's go to Cola. Let's do it. Hey, learn this. We're doing that. Let's do it. And first, it was just him. And eventually saw these people that these, these, these guys would go to shul twice a day. And I said, go to shul two times a day. Like, that's crazy. But slowly and slowly and slowly, as long as you're surrounded by learned people and dummy cops and, and people that have fear of shaman, like feel fear, and you surround yourself with these people, you will grow. You have to take right. yourself out. You ha- if you have friends that are not frugal, you have to stop with them. You must separate yourself from those friends. You have to stop with all that. Let it go. If this is the life you chose, and Surround yourself with fruit. I think that's the most important because if you're surrounded with fruit people, you're learning from them. You ask some questions all the time. You you pick up on their ways and, and it turns into habits. And you start living their life. And habits turn into understanding. And you know, you, you start and from it goes from a habit, okay, now I have a habit of going I, I wake up really early now. I have a habit. But the habit turned into me going to school in the morning to learn tomorrow. And now it's not a habit. Now I I, I want to be there learning. You know, your habits you have to the, the, you turn them into something great. But you have to get in there and you have to do it and just put your own desires aside. I think every person is born lazy. Lazy when it comes to you're already in bed and you forgot that you didn't do Aravit. You know what I mean? You didn't make it to shul that day. Your wife needed you at home. Now I have to get out of bed. I have to wash my hands. I have to get out of my pajamas. I have to put my sh- my shirt, my titsit, my pants, my socks, go to the place that I pray at home, which is downstairs, cold down there. And you understand? Like, there's so much. Like, you know, the normal person, uh, sorry, Hashem, I'll catch you tomorrow. But the point that separates the one who's real and who's full and who's a servant, you want to be a servant of Hashem. The one that separates a soldier of Hashem is the one that goes through this and goes down there and does it. Be a soldier of Hashem. We're his soldiers. We wear his uniforms. This is what we do. And we spread his word. Because we have a lot of brothers and sisters who are lost. And just be a soldier of Hashem because if you're not a soldier of Hashem, you're going to be a soldier of the world. And that's a horrible life. Very, very strong, strong words. Very, very influencing there. Right. A lot of stories that a lot of people haven't heard. And I don't like to bug Rabbi Yom Rubin to tell them every story that happened. Hey, and this, and this, and this. But maybe you'll see this edited. And <laughs> sure. he'll, get to, he'll, get to, he'll get to see that here. 
because of him, because of the organization. I think it's an amazing organization to support. There's a lot of organizations you can give to, but it's who to give to the right, right place. Give to the right place. Right. So this is the right place. I know you, you. this is the place you give to. And when you start giving, that thing, that things don't get better. I'll tell you that much. When you start keeping Shabbat, things don't get better. When you start something, things don't get better. They get worse and they get really bad. But that's the filter. That's Hashem's filter of who's real and who's a soldier, who's just wearing a uniform, who's just wearing a beard. That's a filter. Anybody could wear a white shirt and wear a beard and wear a big keeper. Anybody. But the filter is, can you keep going when you don't have money for rent? Can you keep going when you have health issues? Can you keep going when your father died? Can you keep going when your kids are sick? Where are you going when this is happening? Everybody has issues. Nobody does no life without issues. What kind of issues do you want to have? I have my kind of issues I pray for. I want to reach into my pocket. And instead of 25 cents, I want to pull out a nickel. Right? Those are the kind of issues I want to have. And it's Adikim, those are the kind of issues they have. Again, a lot of righteous people have issues, real issues too. But everybody has their own kudamites. Everybody has their own direction. Everybody has everybody has their own mission that we have to fulfill. We got to find, you know, whatever's complicated for you, whatever you're having a hard time doing, that's your mission. You have a hard time watching your eyes? Well, that's uh, probably why you're here again. So we have a hard time with uh, your Lashonara? That's probably why you're here again. This is things we need to fix. Hopefully we'll get to see the coming of Mashiach. But we, we need to be ready for him. We need to be ready. So it's not something that we just ask for and not be ready. Must be ready. That's that's a good point that you made. Um, I, I mentioned to somebody else in an earlier podcast where you know this is one of the few organizations, if if not the only organization, that actually shows where all the donations go to, and they show the people that it goes to, and they show what they did with the money. I mean, I I don't know about you, but I haven't really seen so many other organizations that do that. You know, they, they collect. They might send out some type of flyer or something, something, but actually show videos and and get people. Kind of like interview, they go to these people and, you know, they, they, there's people that really need the, the help. They have a lot of people in Israel, they have a lot of Kiruv soldiers that work for the organization. And they go and they talk to these people that they, that they, that they donate to. And they see that these people really have a lot of hardships in life. And the organization really helps them. They don't have food for the holidays. They have a hole in their roof. They have whatever situation. And they help. That's uh, one thing that really stands out to me. And I'm sure a lot of other people, they, they see that as well. So. Your story and your time was very appreciated, Ephraim. It's uh, it's very interesting. It's very impactful. I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. And, you know, it's definitely helping us fulfill the goal. What we're trying to do here is, you know, help people, uh, you know, return to Hashem and uh, better themselves, get closer to, to Judaism and really show them a, a better life. Like you said, it's it's not about being a millionaire, but it's about being satisfied with, with what Hashem gave. So we, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And the uh, Hashem will be in touch. And uh, good luck to you. And you know, hope uh, everything uh, goes well. Good luck this year with your shop. And hopefully, you guys, you, you can grow. You you can be religious and be successful. There's a lot of stories in the the, the Gemara, a lot of stages, a lot of rabbis, very very wealthy. So you know, it's, it's all possible. I love to Hashem, but it's all possible. So we we just asked for Hashem to give us more ability to make more mitzvahs. Exactly. Before I put you off the line, why everybody asked so many questions. <laughs> We have very, very big. God is good. It's it's backwards here, but it's huge. It's probably like four foot letters. Wow, that's really cool. Very very cool. Nice. I love it. <laughs> so you have two locations, or that's two, yeah, two, two, and and they both have that kind of same setup. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Sounds up. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's such a shame that you uh, keep keep multiplying. Thank you so much, Dan. I appreciate your time as well. Right. Yes. Thank you. All right. Take care.
very special thank you to all our amazing guests who show real Avati Sled by taking the time out of their busy schedules and sharing their ups and downs with us. All for the sake of Ami Sled. May Hashem continue to bless you a thousandfold. If you enjoyed this video, you can find more of these podcasts on our website at www.bizuptashem.org. If you are on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the channel to hear more highly influencing lectures and stories like the one you heard here today. Thank you for watching and Bezat Hashem, may we all have the merit to return to Hashem.